welcome to another installment of Frontline Conversations. My name is Asanda Goy, and I am joined by Calvin Matlow. And today we have the honor of speaking with Honorable Sengi Wimkalipi, who is the Deputy Secretary General for Economic Freedom Fighters. Welcome. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm fine. Thanks. And you? You are welcome to our revolutionary house. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Um, things are done differently today because we are celebrating Women's Month in August. So for the rest of August, myself and Kelvin will be speaking to a few very influential women in the political space just to find out their thoughts on the role that women play in South Africa and specifically in the public policy space. So uh, Honorable Mamsengi Wem Kalipi will be speaking to us about some of the challenges that women face in, in, in parliament, in, in public policy, and various spheres in, in the South African context. So just for those listeners who don't know who you are, can you just give us a, a brief overview of who Mamsengi Wem Kalipi is? Uh, Mamsengi Wem Kalipi is an activist. Uh, she grew up in KZN. Uh, she was an activist at an earlier age. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was 14 years old when I was exposed in activism, in politics per se. Yes, yes. Uh, I was active at school, in communities. I grew up very poor. Mm -hmm. So I, I was conscientized very early mm -hmm. in terms of the material conditions around me, poverty, because I was swimming in a pool of poverty. As I was raised by a single parent who was a domestic worker by the time, um, and then, um, yeah, the material conditions is the one that uh, makes me to join the, 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 the politics by the time. And also to mention that it, uh, by the time 1990s, it was a, a volatile area in KZN between the IFP, it was in Qatar by the time, and the ANC. So each and every weekend, we bury our own comrades every day. So that way I was much involved. At school, we were affected by a number of things, for instance, school fees, um, uh, uniforms, mm -hmm. so we had to go and mobilize our students to, in order to fight the authority of the yes. school by the time. So I never looked back. In 2001, I was elected as a world councillor. I think I was 27 years old, and uh, I played my role. Uh, and then fast forward, after that, uh, we fought with ANC, SACP, they mm -hmm. expelled me. I never give up because <laughs> I believe in the cause and I work for an NGO, a particular for housing, they were advocating for housing. Mm. Uh, we were mobilizing women, poorest of the poor, the women who are poor, to say that they must establish a saving schemes. And for instance, if there's a project of housing in their areas, they will be saying to the municipality of uh, Etequini, no, don't come and build those one-room houses here. We are women. We are from the side of the poor, but we manage to raise some funds. So mm -hmm. therefore, it means you as municipality must intervene uh, about technical issues only, but we are going to build our own houses. We fought with municipalities because there were companies who wanted to get into tenders. But when we identify those women inside that uh, project area, we said, now, out of 100 houses that is going to be built here, please, I have 50 women who are saving scheme. So don't uh, build houses for them. So obviously they're going to lose their profit. So it was bad fighting between municipalities with companies who are getting profited. So, but for me, it was to also help those women to 
to, 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 to get what they want. So there are beautiful houses there in KZN mm. because of that program. Yes. So until 2013, when the EFF was also born, mm. so I was part and parcel of the EFF because when Commander-in-Chief made a current call to say that let us all meet at Uncle Tom's Hall to uh, answer a question what needs to be done because the country is going down to the drain. Mm. I said, oh, okay, this is my political party because i always on the side of the poor. So even there in parliament, when I go to committees, mm. I always tell them that I'm not an honorable member. Please, I'm an mm. activist. Mm. I'm here to represent people on the ground. So even if I'm going to fight with department, I'm fighting not because... I want to fight with the department, but I want to know what are the programs that will go on the people on the ground. Yes, yes. And then when you look at your role now, and I mean, recently the South African government was commended by both international and local media alike on achieving gender parity. You know, I mean, we have women MPs accounting for 45% of the sixth democratic parliament. Is that something to celebrate? What, what, what are your thoughts around that? I don't think a parliament have done so far is good because uh, they've been that parliament has been there since the nineteen ninety four. It's twenty five years old. So uh, it's true that the female representation in sixth parliament is forty five percent. It's an increment from the fifth parliament, which was forty two percent. But I don't think they've done very well mm. because even if the parliament is an institution, uh, they get their list from political parties. Mm. But I, what I can say that is that uh, EFF, when we um, submitted our list as the youngest political parties in 2014, we made sure that 50% of our EFF MPs are women. So, but other political parties is not, uh, the, is not the, the same. So I think they can do more, especially from different political parties. Based on that, do you think there's a strong political will to ensure the sustainability of a culture of women where we move away from celebrating such milestones that it becomes the norm? In your opinion, do you believe there is a political will? There to is achieve? a strong political will, mm. but we must also mention that it's not because men have finally realized the importance of the role of women. It's because we have been occupying the space. We've been, I mean, sidelined for a long time, but now we're saying, no, we're not going to wait until we are invited by men. So we are fighting for the space, we are fighting for the position. So there is a, a strong political will. So it's just that we as women we must fight for our political space that where this political will end will be strengthened. And do you think though, so looking at politics and looking at business, do you believe that the environment is conducive though to get women to, to thrive, especially black women, to thrive in these kinds of environments? It is not. Mm. Very little has changed because women continue to be discriminated mm. against and are still very much oppressed. You see it, you see it with income inequality, mm. job opportunities, access to land, access to social services. Yes, yes. And then moving to a different kind of um, classification. So we know that white women are classified as previously disadvantaged in the uh, broad-based economic, black economic empowerment, especially when you consider that a large number of black women remain classified as poor. Do you think that's a, that's a, a correct classification? It's not. White women benefited during apartheid. Mm. That system was designed for them to benefit so now I don't think it's correct. So they must leave those black women to go and occupy those new opportunities. But also, obviously, there is a lot that is wrong with the BEE. Mm -hmm. To begin with, the concept of BEE in South Africa, with the long history of disposition, is misguided. 
as mm. blacks, we were supposed to go for ownership, not empowerment. Mm. We have mineral resources, we have land, we have all sorts of things. But now we have to force them through the law to say that they must empower us as black women. No, we must be decisive. We must go for ownership. Yes, yes. Hmm. Thank you, DSG. Uh, now I want to take you to the question of leadership. Uh, we know the economic freedom fighters are going to the elective conference in December. And seeing that you just mentioned that women must fight for their space in the political space, do you think that a woman leader is ready to lead the EFF? Look, I don't get it when you're saying the woman leader because I'm the DSG. I'm, I'm very powerful in the equivalent of the EFF. Uh, there are two women leadership in the top six, which is uh, myself as a deputy secretary general mm -hmm. and treasurer general. So we play our collective role as top six. And I also have to mention that we went to the NPA for the first time in 2014. And as a young party, we did it very well to say that out of six people, mm -hmm. two must be women. And mm -hmm. I think that we have to go and conscientize our EFF members who are going to be delegates mm -hmm. going forward. So anyone, according to the constitution of the EFF, is allowed to contest any position. I don't think there will be any problem. Anyone, even if it means that uh, they want to elect anyone. So no one is going to say, no, we are not allowed to be elected. So it's up to the delegates and getting mandate mm -hmm. from the branches. Mm -hmm. from, from what you just said, I, what I'm getting from you is that you don't have to have a certain title to be a leader in the Yes, party. we always yeah. said exactly that. It does not matter that uh, which role are you playing. Even if I'm just an ordinary city member, if, even if I'm just an EFF member on the ground, you opt to go and play your role as an EFF member. Look, mm. you are the um, alternative party in South Africa. It needs everyone to be at the forefront. It does not mean that you must be the DSG, you must be the TG, you must be mm. what, what, what. You must always say, no, I want to make difference. And, I mean, stemming from that then, and looking at the, the statement uh, the EFF uh, has, it says, I'm just going to read this quote. The EFF government will strive to realize women's liberation through a variety of interventions, starting with prioritizing women when it comes to the benefits of economic emancipation. These interventions will include education against patriarchy and sexism, complemented by legislation to protect and promote women's liberation and the close monitoring of the Im implementation thereof in order to realize real woman empowerment in society, within family and at the workplace. That's a mouthful. That's, that's yes. very big. That's very big goals. So what sort of tangible measures or rather policies and legislations need to be in place to address this, this problem statement? Look, good. Um, when we arrive in Parliament, we have played um, different roles in different committees. A good and practical example is what we try to do in Parliament, uh, in the Standing Committee of Finance, when the Parliament was dealing with the insurance bill in the committee. Mm -hmm. eh? As the EFF, we said that insurance companies, right, must be forced to have something like 30% women shareholders and 50% women in managerial position to qualify for insurance license. Mm -hmm when we're doing that bill in the finance yes. committee. So we said, no, let us just make sure that in order to empower our women out there, the insurance, instead mm -hmm. of getting a license, 30% must be shareholders, 50% they must be there in the position of power. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, it was rejected by the ANC. So we are still going to push for this progressive uh, proposal in parliament. And we say that we must legislate the number 
of uh, women who must benefit from employment. And when government procure goods and services from the private sector, we must stay away from the charters because they have proved to be useless because you are basically asking them to be volunteers. Mm. Um, that's one. Two, during our, look, our national elections manifesto in 2019, we almost, in all sections of our manifesto, we specify that a minimum of 50% must be procured or controlled by women, or 50% of women must be appointed. We said a minimum of 50% of land must be controlled by women. These are some of the examples, mm. but principle is that we must legislate women ownership, control, and appointments, so we don't uh, compromise about women issues yes, in yes. the EFF. We are clear like that. And why do you think, though, there's that resistance? Why, why are you unable to, to push those forward? Look, I think we still have a long way to, to, to educate our women because we find that in the parliament we might have, have majority in a, in a committee level, but we are married to our position, to our position of political parties. So we go there with a very progressive proposal to say that, no, let us have this as empowerment to women. But because my political party is against that, you don't think beyond your political position. You mm. just say, no, mm. I reject this thing. Even if it's going to benefit women on the ground, you still mm. have to go and educate most of our women. One of my friends used to say that uh, during conferences, when we all the time, women, because in conferences, most of the time, women are the majority, mm. but we always elect men. So they always say that, no, in fact, women are the enemies of themselves. It means that we have to tap to them and go and conscientize them. Mm -hmm. No, let us be united uh, and then push for women issues. Mm. Do you see that as something that the EFF drives in terms of yes. conscientizing and getting them on board? Yeah, we must be patient mm. and we must be patient with our women. Also the men. Mm. It's not about women only. Yes. Also we must conscientize our men in order to know how important it is to... Um, uh, 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 protect women mm. and encourage them and also advocate issues that are there for women. Yes, yes. And I mean, when we look at rural women, they, they remain grossly underrepresented, you know, in, in local government structures, and they're still excluded. Do you think, and it seems as if there is a will in certain spheres to want to move them forward, but it's just not happening. They are not as empowered as they ought to be. What do you think the problem is? Is it an institutional problem or is it just simply lack of implementation? No, it's true. Culturally, also the history in South Africa, our rural women are still oppressed, mm -hmm. even to date. Uh, also, the role of the traditional leaders in those rural areas. You find that there is a local uh, government and the councillor, but um, the traditional leadership in the area plays a very important role. And then the way we are groomed is also as women, we know that you must respect men and so on and so on. So we need to go and also to fight for those women. We, we know it's very painful during our discussions with different stakeholders during mm -hmm. the uh, towards the, the, the elections in 2019, we met with the leadership of uh, Controlessa, and then we told them that no, we told them that although we we want to work with them, but one thing that must be clear, we can't tolerate a situation whereby our women are still oppressed mm -hmm. under the name of Isindona or Isengosi. Yes. This is our women. We must fight for them, um, and so on and so on. I still, we still have to look at it mm, and mm. see where that goes. Okay, got it. No. no. Okay. Going into the disempowerment or the issue of women still being disempowered, now there are a lot of social socioeconomic challenges that we face as a country, and women are bear the most of bear the most brunt of those uh, challenges. So on education, 
we know the buzzword now is for IR, the fourth industrial revolution. And seeing the challenges that we have currently, we face as a country, uh, do you think it's right to be talking about FIRE now and as the EFF, seeing that you had mentioned that South African education system is not well positioned to respond to FIRE, what, what do you propose in place? What do you okay. think we should do to respond to the digitization of mm. the global economy? Well, we belong to a global world. Mm. So we can't run away from that fact. But as you put it out that we always said as EFF, we have to revisit the whole system of education. But <clears throat> doing that, because we know that the generation now, the current generation, which is our young and the young people, they must be provided with gadgets in order to be able to be equipped, in order to go to have access to internet, but we must not also forget that we have a rate of unemployment in South Africa is too high. So this moment we run with this new system, we must not forget that we still have to address the issue of unemployment. So the labor absorptive growth we must also take into consideration. But coming back exactly to your question, I want just to say that in South Africa, wants to realize that the benefit of fourth industrial revolution and prepare its children for the economy and jobs of the future. There is a need to be changes in the education system. Mm -hmm. Starting at the foundation, which is a basic education, currently our basic education system is not even able to get basic such as toilets. Mm -hmm. We can't. You know mm -hmm. the issue in the Eastern Cape. Mm -hmm. If you go to Eastern Cape and then see those structures whereby the basic education are providing education, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. And you don't even know how the, the a parent of the child sleep at night when you see his or her children going under the structure. Well, um, the statistics in 2018 also said we had over 14,000 schools without internet connectivity and 15,000 schools without computer labs. And it's very painful. Uh, when I was doing my constituency work, uh, unfortunately, the deputy minister is no longer the deputy minister. I identify some of the schools in KZN where I grew up. Mm. And then I took him, I said, because we are the deputy minister, let us, maybe let us go with you so you can understand when, as the FF, when we stand up in parliament saying that, but the department is failing, failing dismally to address such issues, basic needs. We went to a high school and then we go to a boardroom with the school governing bodies, with all our representatives. And then we ask them, what do you have in the school? Which intervention that you will need from the side of the department? They talk beautiful. No, we have a library here. We have something, something. And then I said, no, let us go and do the, the walkabout. Mm -hmm. Only to find out there's no library. Mm -hmm. And all books have been, uh, it's, 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 it's something, it's a mess. They have some computers, but they don't have internet. I'm mm -hmm. talking about the only high school that is there in that world. But when you go to a boardroom with them, they said, no, we have a library, we have computer lab here. But yes. it's a high school. Those people are the, at a level of metric. Mm. So you ask yourself, if these people, this place is also, I mean, characterized by poverty, from here, where to? And the principal is lying to us. I don't know, he's covering to say this. Mm. But where is a library? Mm. So there's a long way to go. I think that the department must revisit the whole system. It's well, it's good to equip our children, but they don't have a capacity. So that's why we always say as parliamentarians, as EFF, this department must be well-funded, is underfunded. 
So therefore, don't you think it's premature to be talking about digi digitization, fire, before we can get the basics right, such as infrastructure, such as internet connectivity in rural areas? My take is that we have to do it parallel, because we can't be saying to a grade, uh, grade 5 student, please, if you're at school now, so don't get supported through those gadgets. It's going to be unfair, because this child is going to... I mean, get out of the classroom and then without anything. So at the same time, but the basic education, they must get it right. Get it right in such a way that all people move in one direction. It's a, it's a problem. It's a problem. So not just education, health, health, health is a problem. And I mean, the EFF has declared that 2018 is the year of public health. This is following numerous complaints from members of the public on the treatment they're getting at public hospitals and public clinics. To what extent do you think the National Insurance Bill would address these issues and ensure equit equitable access to health care in the country? Uh, yeah, well, let me just cover this one in two aspects. Mm -hmm. Yes, we declare it was 2017. 2017. 2017. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. we declare 2017 as the year of public health. health. Yes. yes, we even established an office here in the EFF to mm -hmm. say that let us get all other people who are having problems with the clinics, hospitals, then let us see how to intervene. We have a dedicated person here in the EFF. Yes. You, you won't believe how many emails, how many calls we get from mm -hmm. the ordinary people on the ground. So, therefore, we always also said that that uh, department has collapsed. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we also had an influence on who must become the new minister because that minister was not helping at all. There was no vision. Mm -hmm. So it has collapsed. Whenever you go to a public hospital, you find something that is it's, it's, it's very painful, even if we talk to today. But we, we said to our public representatives, our councillors, they must go and expose them and try to intervene in one way or another. Coming to the NHI bill, mm. it's not going to address anything, mm. according to us. And we have rejected that bill in, in, in Parliament. We see it as another way in which a private sector is going to tap into government pockets. Is South Africa does not need a state-sponsored medical aid. What they are attempting to do with the NHI is like what the NC did with the infrastructure that was built by the apartheid state. Mm. The infrastructure was meant, was, meant to, was meant for few minority. Instead of building new roads, new schools, new clinics, hospitals, sport facilities, etc., they said we must all use the existing infrastructure. Mm. It didn't help us. Mm. So it means that NC is still thinking inside the box. What we need to do is with care, is health care is to focus on primary health care and make sure that primary health care is accessible to all. We must focus on decreasing mortality rate and increase life expectancy of regardless of race, gender and class. Mm. That is the main focus. Mm. To focus on primary health care means you prioritize prevention. Mm. What is happening now? is that we just wait until you get sick mm -hmm. and then you attend to your diseases instead of saying no, let us prevent yeah. and then we can get it. So that's why our primary health care is very, very expensive because we do it very wrong. Also, this required quality clinics and diseases profiling through public health care facilities, but it also means a strong immunization and vaccination programs must take place. So NHI is misguided and won't solve any problem. It's going to be 
costing billions and billions. And also those people who are in private sector, they are going to come to the government. So we must capacitate the government in order to get it right. Primary health care. Mm. And, and from what the Minister of Health said, Dr. Mkise, he said NHI is to address the problems you, you've just raised because you have the private, private medical aid accounting for 18% of the population, yet if you look at budgets, their budgets outweigh the public budget by a long, 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 long mile. So hence they want to tap into those private sector funds so that they can assist in propping up the public health sector? No. For instance, you go to a community in Amawodi. There's no mm. private hospital there. They're not. There's no private hospital. They must build clinics. They must build hospital. They must do... They must always put the primary health care mm. in the forefront to say that let us get it right now. Forgot about those things because... For instance, let me make an example of the CCMA. Mm -hmm. you know, we know it's an institution whereby everyone can work to a CCMA. Mm -hmm. But there's no capacity. So they are looking for private companies to do their job. Mm -hmm. That is the problem with the government. Same thing now. When we are saying that, no, let us get NHI to or assist us as government, we are just inviting those private people to come and tap and take the very same budget that is minimal mm -hmm. in, the, in, in the health system. So we are saying that, no, build more. Just uplift the capacity of the health, it will be But as we know, our, our, our economy is, is struggling and <laughs> the, the public purse is shrinking. So even if maybe government wanted to increase their budget for, for health care, yeah. they wouldn't have that money. They will. Let me tell you where we yeah. must get our money. Mm. Corruption. Mm. There's a lot of corruption in this country. Mm. Because why? The government is not prepared to bite, so they must bite. That uh, minister of minister, minister of police yeah. and NPA, they must able to bite and take to corruption. There's a lot of corruption here. There are millions and billions that are going out of the country because SARS does not have a clear act of how to manage those people who are taking our funds outside the country. So they must number one corruption. Corruption will save mm. us. And will channel that money to health, to education, etc., etc. Speaking of corruption, there's another factor of a small pool of taxpayers where you can get funds from. And on the 30th of July, Stats SA have released statistics that say 29% of our population is unemployed. And that's speaking of the definition, not the expanded definition, because close to half of the population would be unemployed if we were to expand that population. Mm -hmm. And what, what do you think should be the key things government ought to do in order to remedy such a situation? Yes. First of all, government cannot rely on private sector or foreign direct investment to create sustainable jobs. Mm -hmm. That one must be clear. Mm -hmm. They can't rely. You know why? That is why now companies are retrenching left and right. Just a sign of economy that is in serious trouble. They just retrenched. Because companies, they always put profits before the workers. Mm. That is the fact of the matter. Mm. So companies will always prioritize their profits. That, uh, and foreign direct investment will just pack and go with first sign of trouble. Mm. What we are proposing, proposing and we, must, we, we have always tell uh, ANC in Parliament what to mm. do, 
The state must take lead and create jobs. State intervention. They can't be spectators. That is the problem that they are doing. They want to be spectators and then rely on private people to come and create jobs. They must be at a forefront to as a state intervention. Let us make one example very clear. We are not in government, the ZFN, but we voted with DA in Iswan. So we have raised motions of insourcing and here in Johannesburg. We say that they are workers, like for instance, security guards here. So those people uh, are not employed direct by the municipalities, mm. but where not as municipalities, we are giving money to a Miggy man, insource them. So we have won that war, I think, Tuane and Johannesburg. So we are saying to government, please start with insourcing workers, because they are workers who are being uh, exploited by Bidvest, with all companies, because they are the Miggy men, insource them. And then by doing that, you are going to make sure that those people are receiving salaries, waging, a living waging salaries. That is number one. Secondly, let us start the process of insourcing the tender system. Let us do away with tenders because tenders, that way we don't get it right. A tender, it goes to one person. A tender that can be possible employ more than 200 or 300 people. So once we get away with tenders, we'll create more jobs in the form of states instead of relying to private companies. Now, on, on, on that, uh, the Minister for DPSA, Mr. Sinzong Kuhn, has said that the public service is bloated mm. and we need to cut down. And you are proposing the exact opposite of what he has said. So don't you think that the state absorbing more and more people then wouldn't that work against us in the near future? So, but he, he is cutting down already the employees who are in the departments. So Tina, we are saying that no, in order to get more people, do away with tenders, in source workers, in order to address this issue of unemployment. And we are opposing to that notion. Mm -hmm. The retrenchment must be the number one solution. We must not just run for to, to retrenching yes. people. Yes. Yeah. So he must get it right. I think he made that statement when he entered into an office. I think he's going to get it very wrong. Mm. And you know, the problem is that people are going to be up in arms and he's not going to be controllable because he does not come with solutions. Mm. I don't know where he lives, where he comes from. It looks like he comes from another planet. Mm. So we still have to go and argue in the portfolio committee to say that no, we must not do that. So you don't think that the public service is bloated? We don't think so. He must, he must just uh, expose uh, some means in other ways on how to come with new solutions in the department instead of saying that the, 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 the department is bloated. How? He must just tell us in details what, but the, uh, the, the, the retrenchment must be the last result. Last result, mm -hmm. yes. So moving now to the issue of land, I mean, that plays a big role in terms of what people own, in terms of the opportunities they have, etc. I mean, it is, the, it is the buzz discussion in a whole lot of different arenas. Because of the Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, when you look at the, the, the land reform program has not produced tangible results for women with regard to authority. And I mean, I'm speaking specifically here to um, women in, in, rural, in rural settings, you know, where the rural areas are still largely based on the jurisdiction of traditional authorities, which tend to discriminate against women. And this excludes them from accessing land, from using the land, and the land within 
communal tenor system is not accessible to them. Why are we still in ha- still having this conversation in 2019? Exactly, it's a problem. What's, what's happening? It's a problem. That's mm. why you are saying that let us expropriate land without compensation. Mm. Because we have been having this conversation since 1994. And according to the statistics of the department now, they are saying that 80-something percent is still owned and, uh, by the white minority. And then uh, 14% is black people and so on and so on. So most of the land are still in the hands of white people. There is no land reform uh, in an in sense. Mm-hmm. So that's why you said, let us expropriate this land. Once this land is on the hands of the state, mm-hmm. women is going to get 50% of land. That is our main key position as EFF. Okay, so, so you, you plan to support the ownership of land of women by... Giving them 50%. Giving them 50% yes. of the land. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. they must get 50%. By the way, women are the ones who are working the land. Mm. So they, they deserve it. Mm. These men are very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and what secondary support do you give then mm. to those women who you are giving 50%? No, we are saying that um, through the state bank, we have also said in parliament that we must establish a state bank. So without a state bank, there is nothing that can be achieved. Mm. So the state bank, that way our women are able to, to, to apply for funding and then they're going to be assisted. Mm. And where are you on that state bank? On the state bank, I think we are having a progress uh, in, in terms of parliament because we are the one who have uh, pushed that in parliament. Mm. I think we are getting um, support from other political parties. But now we have to concentrate on this thing of land expropriation, mm. which... Mm was a, a motion that was put by the EFF in the last parliament yes. and we just revived the other committee recently before the recess. Okay. So we have to balance the two. Yes. Once we managed to change the constitution uh, because section 25 mm. of the constitution mm. does not allow the expropriation without compensation. That is mm. our main focus. Mm. So we are hoping that ENS is not going to change their mind yes. and then we can be moving forward. Okay. Alright. Okay. You, uh, Mr. Mkalipi, as a legislator, you and your colleagues, you are responsible for making laws that should be addressing issues that are related to women. And from our conversation so far, you are well, you are well versed on issues affecting women in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I know the EFF has introduced a number of private members bill yes to to try and address a number of issues and can you tell us what other means you have tried to use to put women's issues on the forefront especially in parliament yes as i mentioned earlier on when we were doing that insurance bill in the finance committee we proposed that 30 percent shareholders must be women and 50 percent in the those uh, managerial position must be women. So we are trying to intervene in all sort of, uh, in, in terms of committee levels, whereby there yeah. is, for instance, in home affairs, I remember they went, they came and presented their O'Connorgram in the last parliament, and then we said, okay, tell us, for instance, in the department of uh, home affairs, there is only one DG, mm. okay? So it means everyone who wants to become the DG must apply. But how many DGs do we have? Okay, we have 10 DGs. Okay, after 10 DGs, uh, how many women? Oh, it's acting, it's acting, it's acting, it's provincial. I said, no, go back as the department and make sure that there is a policy that is very clear. Out of 10 DGs, five of those DGs must be women. So we are intervening 
like that. Mm. But it doesn't. It's not a deliberate that we yeah. didn't introduce <laughs> the bills. Yeah. It's just that we wanted something that is achievable. Okay. Now we have number of MPs. We are going to tap into that one and identify those bills that are going straight to achievement of women. Mm. And. On, on the increased number, you, you're still a minority compared to, to the ruling party. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's buy-in from the ruling party, your, your colleagues from the ruling party, in terms of advancing women's issues? Well, we're a minority, I agree. Yes. But it, it means that we must do your work as a member of parliament. Expropriation of land without compensation, it was introduced by us. Yeah. It depends how you play your politics. Mm. We put them in a corner. They are the majority, but mm. they were not prepared, I mean, to talk about this thing of land. When you, you started here, you mentioned that this issue of land is a talking town now. Mm. It's yeah. because of the EFF. Mm. It does not mean that you must be a majority. You must go and persuade them. Mm. And then you must play your politics very, very correct and able to swing them. Mm. for instance, on this issue of land expropriation. So all of our bills that were introduced in Parliament, I don't think they uh, they rejected to them mm. uh, like completely. It's just that it needs persuasion. Mm. Like for instance, 24 hours clinic. Who, who, who is a person who is, I mean, mm. clear on his, on his or her mm. upstairs who can reject two 24-hour clinics? Mm. Because it means that at 8 p.m., when someone is, is injured, he yes. can't access the clinic. So that's why I want a 24-hour clinic. And also it means that it's creation of job. It's just that you have to go and talk to them politically. But no, mm. listen, you can't reject on this thing. It's going to help our society. Mm. So we persuade them in such a way that they also agree with us, uh, except that they still have their own position as if. if oh, as, 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 I was about to ask, to, to, to ask that, are they persuadable, mm. seeing that the, they have to follow the party position. Yeah, it depends on the fifth parliament towards, uh, from the begin beginning, they were very difficult, I don't mm. want to lie. Mm. They were very difficult until we exposed them, and then they went to their conference in 2017, they took mm. the very same resolution. They took IPLA, and you see this thing of land expropriation mm. motion, we have put it before, they rejected it completely. Mm. And then we push, we push, we mm -hmm. push, and then we galvanize our support, we mobilize people, mm. and then people, they said, no, we want our land. Yeah. So yeah. they saw it, if they continue being difficult, they are going to be rejected towards 2019 elections. Mm. They went to their conference in 2017, mm. and then they said, no, this is our resolution as ANC now, in the Nazareth. Mm. Then mm. we said, okay, let us prove it to you. Mm. Then when we open parliament, we put it again. Mm. We said, this time is a resolution. So are you going to vote against your resolution mm. or not? And then that's why they supported us. So we need to be clever like that. Yeah. Yeah. So now there's a total of new MPs mm. now. So we have to see how are they there, what is their agenda. But we'll continue pushing for the agenda yeah. of the poorest of the poor. Yes. No, and, and, and on, a, on a maybe a lighter note, do you as an EFF MP get to hang around outside of portfolio committees, yes. hang around with other, and talk about all these issues affecting women. Yes, and, we even yeah. phone each other before the committee starts mm. to mm. say this, look at the agenda. Please, men, don't be difficult. There's a proposal for the EFF yeah. there. And it's not for the EFF as a political party, it's for the society broadly. Mm. And then um, sometimes they do say, okay, no, it's fine, we will see, but we go and debate. So it's a matter of uh, persuading one another. Yes. After that, we do have coffees. Mm. We are colleagues at the end of the day. Yeah. We are not enemies, but yes. it's a matter of principle. So in a, in a meeting form, we must be very, very, very 
clear about your position as EFF. Mm. But after that, you are colleagues at the end of yes. the day. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. Then have you ever been persuaded to, to change your position? Or By your the position, yes. And uh, lack of ideas. <laughs> there's there's nothing from their side. They wait for the EFF to put something on the table yeah. and then they become defensive. So mm. that's why we have to be patient with them to say, mm. no, maybe let us meet over a, co- a cup of coffee. Mm. Yeah. And then they don't have any ideas, so they can't persuade us on anything. Yes. Because they, there's nothing. For instance, let me make an example. Mm-hmm. The Department of uh, Home Affairs on the issue of special permit of, of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. So now they took a position to say that we are going to give a special permit. 250,000 mm-hmm. were issued. Mm-hmm. Now is they are not issuing it. it. I mean, their own ideas. They, are, mm-hmm. they, they can't even take up their own ideas. Mm-hmm. So you have to go back to say, but guys, this is your own policy. What is happening? Zimbabweans are here illegally because mm-hmm. of you guys. But it's not... Our proposal is EFF, who yes. are saying this is your own policy. So they don't have any ideas, shame. They are in a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Just that as a way of, of yeah. closing. I mean, um, we see that um, they've been younger female members who are who are in parliament. And I mean, just as a way of, of, of us closing the conversation, what role do you play as much older woman in, in ensuring that the next generation of uh, female leaders are not fighting the same fights you are fighting. That we don't want to be talking about land, you know, five mm-hmm. years from now. So mm-hmm. how are you empowering those those in parliament, in business, etc., but also communities, young people, to, to take the fight and do what mm-hmm. needs to be done? You know, let me tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. We learn a lot from these youngsters mm-hmm. as old people. Mm-hmm. They also... Um, identify some gaps saying that you guys didn't manage to fight and and so on and so on. So we sit down with them to say that, no, listen, we are old. Mm. You must take up the button. Mm. So you must also do your own homework and then come Mm. and teach us. Mm. So we are prepared also because we have experience now. We have been there before them. So they come in to learn the terrain in Parliament, but they come with fresh ideas. Mm. So we have, it's a matter of convergence those ideas with them and then take the strategy forward. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do you have anything else? I, I, I am good. Thank you, you very good? much, yeah, yes. uh, Honorable Mkalipi, for... Thank you very much, yes. for, for sitting and chatting with us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I personally enjoyed the conversation yes. and I yes. could have gone on for... Yes, we could have gone on yes. yeah. <laughs> We could add more questions to this, mm, but yeah, yes. we truly do appreciate any time. Yes. We are prepared even with our young leaders, as yes. you are mentioning, they yes. will be very glad to meet with you because yes. it's some of the issues it's eye opening. Yes, yes, yes. And that was uh, Honorable Deputy Secretary General uh, Mamuthengi Wemkalipi speaking to us about the issues that face women in Parliament, but more specifically uh, the different challenges that they are facing as a party in moving the women agenda forward. Uh, for more on our podcast, follow us on our social media pages. We are Frontline Conversations, and thank you for joining us. Bye.